0: invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two
1: phenomenal events a key sort of organizational approach that i recommend is just sitting back and saying wouldn't it be awesome if we knew how often people came to our website making something up right maybe you don't know that well you probably can figure it out and if you can't figure out think of something that's a little bit less awesome that's a step in the right direction
2: Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Hello, everyone. We are back for another episode of the Missions to Movements podcast. And today I am joined with a very special guest, John Jensen. He is the Senior Director of Nonprofit Insights at Salesforce. And I want to say, John, when I came across your LinkedIn bio, it immediately caught my attention. And I want to read to everybody what it says. It said... I help Salesforce for Nonprofits product marketing team build the broadest possible understanding of the sector's goals and challenges across the world. Amen. Share it all. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I love to hear. You've been with Salesforce now for a little over three years. A, thank you for being here. And what led you into the role you have right now?
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. My background... Academically when I was in school it was you know politics economics that kind of stuff but I and I got into the market research industry and then eventually into technology and corporate strategy those kinds of things I ended up doing corporate strategy at Mozilla the nonprofit behind the Firefox web browser but the thread throughout all those roles was a process of identifying larger and smaller trends in the world at large that are affecting the organization that I was working at and similarly, on my private time, I was involved in local nonprofits in my community. I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. And so when the opportunity to join Salesforce came up, I was really intrigued by it. I like Salesforce. It's a great organization. They had their one one model of donating 1% of the company's equity product and employees' time back to the community. It was pretty compelling. And we have 50,000 or so more nonprofit customers. And so it was easy for me to make the decision to join. And my role here is really to, just as you described, just monitor what's going on in the world's nonprofit sectors and all the countries in which we operate. So that involves everything from monitoring regulatory changes, economic changes, cultural changes, those kinds of things, and how they affect the nonprofit sector, because that obviously affects what their needs are and how we can help them.
2: Yeah, which must be fascinating also to have access to that data. And I'm a very data-driven person and I love getting in the weeds of the numbers. And then, of course, we have to analyze what are those numbers really telling us? What is true about this? What assumptions can we make based upon proving X, Y, and Z data set? So your team and how I originally got introduced to you is I received an email from Salesforce with the fifth edition release of the nonprofit trends report. And it really focused on the question of why do digital mature organizations fare better than others? And what was interesting is this was taken not from the standpoint of just the fundraising perspective, but also from employee retention as well, which we'll talk about, which is really important. I started to comb through the report and then I realized I saw your name was at the bottom of the website. And I was like, oh, I got to reach out to this guy and pick his brain on this report and have you on the show. So I want to use this podcast episode as kind of a cliff notes version for everyone. And listeners, I will link to the full report in the show notes so that you can download it in its entirety and get access to all of the graphs and insights that are in there. But John and I are going to kind of break down chapter by chapter what you can look for. And the first thing I really wanted to ask was there's a Salesforce digital maturity index that you use. Can you explain what that means?
1: We wanted to come up with a measure that summarizes an organization's ability to make use of technology and we used data from you know academic studies and some from the consulting world in the corporate sector etc to produce a, five questions that are i think are somewhat notable because they're not really about technology it doesn't add there aren't questions like do you have a crm or something like that they're simply right. questions about how you use data in your organization questions like we make decisions at this organization based on data and evidence agree disagree when there's a problem in my to solve that involves different departments across my organization it's easy to find and share data or we design our programs and services using information about and engagement with the recipients of those programs and services we're able to personalize messages to our stakeholders we're able to forecast income from fundraising campaigns we just ask people those questions. I'm sure that just got a lot of people thinking as you went through and asked those questions. Right. And we agree, disagree, you add up all the scores and you come up with a summary one, which is a combination of all of them. And those that score highly, basically an average of, you know, four or high, and a half or higher out of five are what we call digitally mature and is about, you know, 15% or so of the folks that we surveyed in the seven countries that we involved in this year's iteration of the survey.
2: Which I think is important to speak to the fact that this is a global survey. This is not just U.S. based, but this is looking at the how many nonprofits typically participate in these reports.
1: Thousands of nonprofits represented by thousands of employees. Got it.
2: Okay, amazing. So let's go ahead. Let's dive into the first chapter. There are five. The first chapter is the nonprofit landscape. There's a couple of things that I pulled here that I think we should uncover. We're now two full years into the remote working environment. We're seeing that in the news a lot right now that that's changing. I just saw Bob Iger is asking for Disney employees to be working four days a week back in the office. Like how do you think that has played a role in the need for technology and also employee retention?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of threads to think about here, right? So those of us who, you know, watch films and movies, you can think of all sorts of metaphors about the experience that many nonprofits have gone through. Like, you know, a plane crashes in the jungle and everybody has to cooperate in order to survive or soldiers in a battle or something like that. And nonprofits have gone through a very trying experience. And those that have succeeded have been implicitly strengthened. Their organizational managerial leadership skills are stronger. As part of that, one thing that we've noticed from a technology sense is that, you know, when the pandemic first hit in the early uh, twenty twenty. A lot of nonprofits were sort of knocked back and had to make emergency investments in everything from video conferencing to CRM or whatever tools that they needed in order just to complete their operations. But now things are sort of lifting and they're able to step back and recognize that, well, wait a minute, in an emergency situation, we made all these different kinds of decisions. But now it's time to recognize that we're in a different world where virtual digital experiences are much more prevalent, much more common, and that we need to adjust and and invest accordingly, right? Absolutely. In terms of employee retention, that has very clearly been identified as well. One of the things that, so we've done this digital maturity index for a few years now, and we've seen that quite clearly that those organizations that have stronger digital maturity are more successful in terms of, you know, fundraising or operations or their financial performance or those kinds of things. But this time we expanded and looked at on the impact of digital maturity on employee satisfaction, motivation, and retention. I expected to see a positive relationship, but I was really struck by how strong it was that employees that work in more digitally mature nonprofits are three and a half times more likely to be highly motivated and are much more likely to say that their employer cares about them and the retention is higher, those kinds of things.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. There's a quote from the report that stated, if the first two years of the pandemic were about adaptation, the current era is about flexibility and resiliency. And there was a quote specifically from a UK nonprofit on this point that I wanted to like become my mantra. (laughs) I was like, you have to be innovative and you have to be pioneering. A more commercial and very business grounded attitude needs to be taken to future proof organizations. Like, how are you seeing this come to life really over the past two years as now we're going into 2023?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of ways of thinking about this, right? So nonprofits, generally, not all of them, but generally tend to have more conflict avoidant cultures than for-profit or even government organizations. That can lead to a level of frustration, inertia, sort of small-c conservatism. And what many people are talking about in in that quote is a business-oriented attitude doesn't necessarily mean going off, you know, trying to create massive profits, etc. It's really about an attitude towards dealing with issues directly, promptly, transparently listening to your customers or stakeholders and, you know, and looking for and seizing opportunities. That's the aspect of a sort of a business mindset. The business world has a forcing function in terms of competition and profit and shareholders and all those kinds of things. And some of those exist in the nonprofit sector, but they're a bit weaker. And so it's particularly incumbent upon leaders of nonprofits to think that way and take advantage of the opportunities that they have in front of them. There's uh, sort of some other factors uh, affecting this as well. One of the great trends in society is decline in trust in all sorts of organizations, uh, the politics, media, Mm -hmm. etc. Nonprofits are not immune to that. And so it's becoming more and more important for nonprofits to have the technology and the tools to collect the data that's necessary for them to operate successfully, and to be able to report it in terms of transparency to their stakeholders, to their donors, to their funders. That is becoming more and more important. Governments around the world are expecting more of their nonprofits and how they're reporting, and so are major donors.
2: Yes, and how they're communicated individually, I think, has also changed a lot. There are I mean, just from the explosion of tech tools that we've seen just in the nonprofit space in the past two years, to everything that's changing with AI, there are so many more opportunities on how to smartly collect that data than there used to be, to be able to use it properly. So I think that's fascinating. And chapter two, and this kind of like goes into the technology conversation a little bit, is on change of scale. So with these technology platforms, we have the ability to hopefully work smarter, not harder. And even if we are a solo team or a small team, have the ability with these tools to do more, quicker, faster, better. And one thing that was pulled from the report was that more than half, 55% of nonprofits say their organization needs to invest in technology in order to increase their fundraising and 60% say their donors are expecting, which I totally understand, they expect a better experience than their current technology provides. I think talking about where money movement has been happening is really important in this conversation too. When you did the report, what are you seeing in terms of priority of dollars being invested when it comes to these different tech platforms?
1: You sort of alluded to it, like at a macro level, donor concentration, particularly in the US, but in Europe and and Asia as well, it's it's accelerating, right? So fundraising is sort of bifurcating, if you will, splitting into sort of two groups. You have smaller donors quite often found and, and interacted with via social media. They're motivated by shorter term, relatable, emotional, credible, targeted messaging and they really need a frictionless experience we all have now experiences from large consumer technology companies with our mobile phones and we get frustrated when we can't have that same experience when we're dealing with a nonprofit. Right. absolutely and that's particularly important for smaller donors and along with that once you think about it, it has all sorts of implications for how you pursue it. I mean, it requires obviously, you know, a, a performant website and those kinds of things, but also integrations with the systems that you have behind the scenes to make sure that, you know, whatever the recurring giving works or that refunds work or that splitting donations work, like all those kinds of things is easier, quite often easier said than done. And it's requiring more focus. And then similarly, the targeting aspect of it with the growth of data that's available. That has increasing demands of fundraisers and marketers as well, right? That's where AI can come in to identify different journeys, different streams, different messages that uh, can be applied to improve donations, which in turn requires fundraisers to think more creatively to create sort of different messages and, and appeals in order to get the funds that they need. So that's what's happening on the sort of smaller individual donors Major donors are sort of a different kettle of fish. I mean, it's, I think one thing that hasn't really landed in particularly in the U.S. is the incredible importance of major donors. At least 40% of dollars raised in the U.S. comes from 1% of donors. It's probably close to 50% now, right? Because that data I just described is from about eight years ago.
2: Publishing social media content manually is a hassle. And having one place to view all of your analytics is truly a game changer for easy reporting. And the best part is I have a free option for you. Later is the leading visual social media marketing platform for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok. So you can plan, you can analyze and publish content, including reels using Later. Two of my favorite features are that you can search for user-generated content with hashtags and know your unique best time to post so you can schedule in batches. There are a bunch of other cool features, but again, the best part is there's a free account option. So go ahead and sign up, get your free account, stop doing all the hustle posting manually. Go to try.later.com backslash positive equation. That's try.later.com backslash positive equation. Definition wise, as a major donor, how do you like categorize that? What does that equate to?
1: <laughs> Essentially, anybody who's in that 1%, right? So, for every nonprofit, who has a different definition of what a major donor is. For, you know, I do some work with the Giving USA Foundation, and we, we struggle with this, right? So, some nonprofits, it's a thousand bucks, some, it's 10 million.
2: Got it. Okay.
1: But if you flip it around and you don't really look so much about the donation size, but about where it's coming from and how what other donations that, that makes, it really mm-hmm. changes your thinking, right? So, if an increasing yes. amount of money is coming from a smaller pool of donors, and that pool is changing a little bit, right? So, younger donors, for example, are quite different than older donors. Older donors are more likely to donate for statements almost of identity. I donate to this nonprofit because it's the right thing to do. It's, uh, I want to care about my community. I was raised that way. My partner was helped by this organization, something like that. Younger, wealthier donors tend to be much more impact focused, right? I'm donating because I want to see a difference. I want to see a tangible difference in the world in these areas. And I'm looking to invest, quote unquote, in, a, in an organization to help me achieve that. That's pretty different.
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting mindset switch.
1: Yeah. And so nonprofits have to, you know, it's really tough, right? Because those are completely different things. So one the, the minor, smaller donors is a compelling, smooth experience from Facebook with a picture of a kitten or something that works really well on your, on your website to get the donation. Whereas a major donor is a cultivation of a brand and a relationship over time that grows, that's fueled by... Deep data transparency and impact measurement and those kinds of things. So that is a tension that nonprofits are facing and that tech you know and technology providers are supporting, right? Both of them require data collection, the creation of journeys, creation of paths through which nonprofit donors can go through to reach their desired point. It's just that the scope and scale and length of them is different.
2: Yeah. No, and I think it's interesting to think about it too from a budgeting standpoint of your front end versus your back end. And how are those woven together to be able to create what you're talking about in those seamless journeys of personalization, which I think is huge going into 2023. Chapter three is really diving into that focus on the digital maturity. And I always say, if we have the data and we have the tech platforms, that's great. Step one. But if we don't understand what we're seeing or the graphs and what it's telling us, then it's not really going to be helpful for the listeners on the show. If an organization is saying, I'm super interested and I heard you with those questions, we might be on the lower end of the digital maturity or maybe we're in the middle. Where can they start if they're like, I want to bump it up, I want to take it to the next step?
1: Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of one of my favorite quips, which is the most important part of any dashboard it's someone to look at it. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Very true. Lots of organizations I've been at, lots of dashboards, a lot of money spent to create that dashboard, but it's not integrated into the culture, the process, the governance of the organization. And, And that's where leadership comes in. Like it's absolutely key. One of the things that I've repeatedly found with all the studies that we've done here at Salesforce and, you know, and other ones that other people do is that fundamentally it's about culture and leadership right doesn't matter whether your organization is big or small or what cause area or country it's in digital maturity is really defined by the the leadership and in terms of getting started it's taking advantage of what you have you can do a lot with just the data that you can already collect maybe it's a bit of work but it can be done you know having fancy technology is obviously yeah. helps makes it easier but you can do it with the stuff that you have a key sort of organizational approach that I recommend is just sitting back and saying, wouldn't it be awesome if we knew how often people came to our website or making something up, right? Maybe you don't know that. Well, you probably can figure it out. And if you can't figure out, think of something that's a little bit less awesome. That's a step in the right direction.
2: I love that as a brainstorm session. Everyone go do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then more importantly is a... Figure it out, put someone in charge of it, have regular meetings where that's the first subject of discussion, try to identify when it goes up and down and what's related to it, hold somebody accountable for making it go up or down. Like That's the key part. There's an implicit assumption in the nonprofit sector and the corporate sector as well, is that it's all about fancy tools and fancy metrics, et cetera. The metrics that you probably want are pretty simple. The key thing is, is actually integrating them into how you run your organization and drive it accordingly so that you can, you know, you achieve some progress on them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things I teach a webinar all about understanding your business goals. So the questions that you are asking that are just like, what's the growth month over month on our website? What donations do we have month over month or X, Y, and Z? And then what are the social metrics related to each of those? and how to correlate the two. And so what does impressions equal and how to be looking that at that month over month? And so it's a lot of times it's, that can be just Google Analytics, yeah, which is a free tool. So a lot of times it just can be turning the on switch on things that maybe maybe haven't looked at before to help us answer that. But I love the brainstorm of, wouldn't it be awesome if blank? And then to your point, I'm sure there's a way to figure out those solutions.
1: Yeah, and then related to that, tactically start small. Wouldn't it be awesome if the question doesn't need to be something grandiose that summarizes the entire mission of the organization? It should be something smaller, tactical. Wouldn't it be awesome if we knew website visits over time and what day of the week where we get the most donations? So something small and tangible. Pick it and then optimize around it. And then that'll lead to more questions, right? It's a forcing function for other questions because once you'll figure that out or it'll raise other questions and then you can pursue it and get greater insight into how your organization works.
2: Yep, absolutely. Great point. Going into the last two chapters, and again, the full report for everyone is in the show notes. All of the graphs, all of the quotes that we're talking about goes into a lot more detail in the report. So you can download that in the show notes. Chapter four and five is really important. And it's all centered around creating a healthy environment for the people that are running the organizations that are running the nonprofits. And that at the end of the day is we need each other to be able to make the work happen. What did you find were the most common challenges that organizations faced?
1: Nonprofits around the world are facing employee retention challenges. And as we described earlier, nonprofits that have higher levels of digital maturity tend to have fewer problems with these and are more successful. And it makes sense because as we were Touched upon earlier, people have consumer experiences with uh, technology that they implicitly expect when they're in the workplace, right? Why can't I do this remotely? Why can't I do it on my phone? Why can't I get this report? Why do I have to use, you know, whatever it is? And there's a relationship there that's strengthening partic- over time. And that's one aspect of challenges that nonprofits are recognizing. One of the things that we've also found in the report is that at the same time there's an unfortunate relative disinterest of in nonprofits in investing in training for employees to make the full use of the technology that they have and that is something that is important it goes back to my first point right about the most important part of a dashboard is someone to look at it sometimes yeah. you need a bit of training you need a bit of support to figure out how to use it or where it is or it's not just about getting the technology and and launching it, you need to incorporate it into your culture, which involves, yes, making it part of your governance, managerial, reporting processes, but also, you know, training, just letting people figure out how to use it and, and see the benefits of it.
2: Yeah. That's really important. And I think that's something to set expectations on when we are going through whether it's demos of conversations or we're asking the questions about, okay, well, how are we going to answer that? Wouldn't it be awesome if, great, we found the solution, but how long is it going to take us to actually get that together? It might not be instantaneous, but how do we make sure that we have somebody that can digest the information and share it with everybody else? Really great point. How does it also overall just play into motivation, culture? There was also a section in the report, really important on DEI efforts at an organization.
1: Yeah, we were not surprised, but we were interested in in this. A lot of nonprofits... Feel that they've made some efforts, but not totally sufficient efforts in this regard. There's some country differences. This is a different seen differently. For example, in Europe than it is in North America. There doesn't seem to be a significant difference in terms of the technology aspects of this, but it is an area that nonprofits, particularly in terms of sustainability and those kinds of ESG issues, feel that are sort of a lower priority to their actual direct missions.
2: Interesting. Everyone, you have to go check out this section. It is fascinating to see all the graphs and the charts that are put together in here. And and I think what it helps to do also is generate conversations within your organization is let's read through this. Let's see what are the trends that are happening? Where are we individually? And how can we make improvements? Or are you rocking and rolling in an area? And you're like, check, like we've done this. We're on a really good path forward. John, if there's one key takeaway from the report that you would want listeners to have after they read it what would you want
1: that to be investing in technology is not just an operational issue right it's not just about keeping your operations running It actually helps drive your organizational resiliency it makes the place a better place to work and people more want to stay there it can drive collect the data and that is necessary for the transparency that is going to be increasingly in demand from your funders, be they grantors or, or major donors.
2: Awesome. It's through and through. It's not just about the tech. It's also about the people Yeah, that makes cool. it all come together. Awesome. So to wrap up, John, I want to ask you, there's a section we call, we must know, John, we must know what are you reading or what podcasts are you listening to for fun or personal development?
1: Uh, a fun one that I listen to is uh, here in Canada, we have a podcast called The Debaters, where it's just two comedians debating something silly. Waffles versus pancakes, for example, is one, <laughs> right? And it's done very formally, but very silly. It's a great podcast. I recommend it. For more you know, serious professional stuff, sort of more tactical benchmarks, that's sort of a level below what we're talking about in the Trends Report is one from MNR Benchmarks, mrbenchmarks.com. I'm sure you've discussed them before. Very they have familiar, a lot of interesting yeah. stuff. I also quite like some a Twitter feed by Ben Soskis of the Urban Institute. And there's a couple of you know academic journals that, yes, are a little bit dry, but quite often have really interesting studies about how fundraising and marketing works in the nonprofit sector. There's the Journal of Philanthropy and Marketing and the Nonprofit and Voluntary Sector Quarterly. Both of those are really good.
2: Awesome. Very cool. We will link to all of those in the show notes for everyone. John, thank you so much for being here. Where can listeners connect with you?
1: You can uh, ping me at via email at jjensen, J-J-E-N-S-E-N at salesforce.com. Feel free to send me an email or at Twitter. Same as with my name, John Jensen on Twitter. I'm really interested in hearing from nonprofits about what their priorities are for 2023 from a planning or a budgetary perspective. I'm not just saying that. I actually am interested. Please contact me. I'm trying to get a better sense of how the sector is thinking about these things.
2: Amazing. Reach out to John. Let them know what you're up to. Love to have the conversation. John, thank you so much again for your time and the amazing work that you and your team have put into this report. And I hope that everybody goes to download it. And I hope you have a great rest of 2023. Thank you. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect
0: with you.